What's up, guys? Leah Pika here. Today's amazing guest is a world-renowned presentation coach to the stars and an expert on making your big ideas irresistible. Stay tuned to find out who's dropping knowledge like it's hot on Present Beyond Measure, episode 29. Welcome to the Present Beyond Measure show, a podcast at the intersection of analytics, data visualization, and presentation awesomeness. You'll learn the best tips, tools, and techniques for creating analytics, visualizations, and presentations that inspire data-driven decisions and move you forward. If you're ready to get your insights understood and acted upon, you're in the right place. And now your host, Leah Pika. What's up, guys? Welcome to the 29th episode of Present Beyond Measure. I hope you had a chocktastic and safe Halloween. I am in a state of denial that October is over. (laughs) It's almost as if time is always moving forward at the same pace. Hmm. Well, what's the latest with me? I've got some very exciting guests coming at you. My workshop docket is filling up fast for the end of 2017, which is super exciting. And if your company is trying to figure out how to spend that end-of-year training budget, psst, hint, hint, a workshop with me would make such a solid investment in how ideas and insights get presented for maximum impact in your organization. So to find out more about my training services, please hop on over to leahpika.com slash workshop singular. First, I thought I would kick things off with, uh, we haven't given out any iTunes love recently, so I thought I would just take a moment to leave a really lovely review I just got from Brooke Craven, and it is awesome podcast. Leah, the host of the Present Beyond Measure show, highlights all aspects of presentations in this can't-miss podcast. The host and expert guests offer insightful advice and information that is helpful to anyone that listens. Thank you so much for that wonderful review, Brooke really warms my heart. And remember, as a show of thanks, I'll be writing out my favorite reviews to show my appreciation. So if you'd like to leave a review and get a shout out, hop on over to visit the show on iTunes and click ratings and reviews. I really appreciate it. So enough of all that. Let's get to today's amazing guest. Hello, everyone. Today, we're taking another scenic detour out of the digital analytics and visualization spaces and talking to a huge player in helping people and businesses sell more through powerful presentations of any kind. Simply put, our featured guest transforms businesses and brands. Right out of school, he helped take a company from $1 million to $14 million and number 35 on Inc. Magazine's fastest-growing private companies list. His newest venture, Speaking Empire, is recognized as a disruptive company company in the leadership training and education space. He's a mentor and coach to the world's leading speakers, coaches, and business owners such as Shark Tank star Kevin Harrington, New York Times bestselling author Robert Allen, and Entrepreneur of the Year Roxanne Emmerich. And today, I've asked him to preview his latest work, a book with entrepreneur titled The No BS Guide to Powerful Presentations, How to Sell Anything with Webinars and Online Media, Speeches, and Seminars. And having marketed and filled over 3,000 events and leading 10 online product launches, he's generated over $43 million in sales. Not too shabby. So with that, I'd like to introduce you to today's guest, Dustin Matthews. Welcome, Dustin. 
Oh, well, thank you for having me on. I'm uh, thrilled to be here today and uh, impart some wisdom and things that I've discovered along the way. <laughs> well, we're all very excited to hear your wisdom. So, Dustin, you live a little bit outside the world we normally play in on the show, which is data viz and analytics. But occasionally, I like to bring on real subject matter experts like yourself that can provide insane values to my listeners in different and unexpected ways. So for those not familiar with you, can you give us a little background on yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right now, I run a company called SpeakingEmpire.com, and uh, what I think everyone should know about that is I'm probably the worst guy uh, that should have been chosen for the job. And what I mean <laughs> by that, uh, ironically, is uh, I was at the good old Florida State University doing my uh, undergraduate work in information studies, uh, ironically. And um, what happened was uh, – in order to graduate, you had to take public speaking. Did you did you have to take that as a class, Leah? I did. I took it in high school, and it was uh, instructive. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what's funny is uh, I had to take this class in college in order to graduate, and uh, I remember walking into the room, and there were three hundred, you know, students there, and the, the professor walks out and says, "Listen, you're going to have to give three talks in front of all three hundred people, and then oh, seven will be in smaller breakouts," and so. I looked around thinking people would be as shocked as I was, but it, it, I guess they weren't as shocked because they knew they needed to take this in order to graduate. So uh, I'd like to say I took the class, but I actually, I actually bailed. And so uh, oh. I left and um, I said, you know what, I'm going to sign up again. Maybe I can find a smaller breakout, you know, class or, or maybe I can take it online. That was, uh, that's when those things were, were starting to be the vogue and mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't find any of that. And so I signed up again because got to graduate. And uh, same 300 people, same spiel. And so uh, I retreated yet again. And I said, you know what, there's got to be a way out of this. And so I, you know, I started consulting people. I asked around, I asked student aides. Finally, I came across the student handbook. And, you know, if you know a thing or two, no one reads the student handbook. And so <laughs> I think I, I did. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, only only a, like a handful of people because they were motivated, uh, or they were looking <laughs> for something. And so that was me. And so what ended up happening was I found a legal loophole. And because I had taken model United Nations in high school, and I had only taken that class because I was pursuing a lady. And um, <laughs> it, it didn't work out with the lady. But uh, what, what I find funny in life is um, that actually helped me get out of having to take uh, public speaking in college. And I think it's funny because now I, I run a company that teaches it. Not only do I speak now uh, on webinars and podcasts and around the world and, and, and you know, wherever, uh, I show other people how to do it. And so it, it, it's funny because uh, I think that's life. That's the journey. It's an amazing story. And I would, can you imagine a world where every college required public speaking as, as part of their curriculum or high school. You know, I, I think about some of the classes I had to take. One was called Water, Life, and Society. And I can tell you it's not helped me in my <laughs> career path. <laughs> but public speaking, that that class that I took in high school was was instructive in that uh, coming from the Jersey Shore, you talk way too fast and it's a sign that you're nervous and no one realizes these sorts of things until you're forced to look at them uh, from a third perspective. So... I would love it. I yeah. would love it. And and I want to just share that. I, I think anyone in the in the corporate space, if you look at all the tools that are are all the vogue now, uh, you know, WebEx, of course, being around go to webinar, mm -hmm. that sort of stuff, you know, that's been around. But, you know, if you look at even some of the newer social media tech um, that's making its way into corporate, you know, Facebook's, you know, fashioning their platform mm -hmm. to be, you know, in, in that space. And so if you look at it all, it's about communication. And so whether you ever speak on a stage or in a boardroom or in front of a team, you've got 
you know, these tools that are putting your face on the screen where you have to get a message across or, you know, through audio. And so I think it's, it's mission critical for anyone that wants to move up the ladder for anyone that wants to really grow as a person and make themselves more valuable, no matter what space you're in. Oh, absolutely. And what's interesting about what you said are the different platforms that you're presenting. And so during my workshop, I have to, I take students through three different scenarios of the live presentation where we center around, but then what do you do when you're in a virtual platform? What do you do when you're presenting slides with now a screen? You're working from printouts. There's all different ways of amping up your volume and your personality and smiling, even though people can't see you and you don't have those visual cues to allow you to continue and feel like you're on the right path. You really have to take a few leaps in those virtual environments. And I think it's essential to learn how to maximize all of those. Absolutely. I'm excited, Leah. I got to tell you, I can't wait for when VR, you know, it's already out, but like when it really gets good and it's going to transform business, it's going to transform life. And, you know, I know we're years out, maybe, you know, decades, a little bit from it being mainstream. Uh, But if you think about it, it's going to force us to present and do all those things now because the tech is so good. Yeah. It's right. You know, I, I think we've we started with live presentation. We moved away from that interactive person to person dynamic with virtual and then technology is going to bring us back where maybe we'll be beamed onto someone's desk <laughs> and walking around <laughs> their desk presenting to them. And um, it's really, really exciting to see where we're going to go with that. Absolutely. I can't wait. <laughs> awesome. Well, that that was a great share. So I would love to actually dive into your book. So I would love to know who is this book written for and what will they be able to do with it right away once they read it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, you you did very well reading that title. I, I've done a, an interview <laughs> or two and uh, some people uh, trip over it. And I, I do want to share the joke is uh, I co-wrote it with my mentor, Dan Kennedy, who is one of the world's highest paid copywriters, wow. uh, creatives. And so uh, I always joke that, you know, the longer the title, the more he gets paid. Uh, <laughs> and, and so his titles are often long like that. Uh, but a lesson in, you know, when everything is so short, when you look at, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's books, you know, they're awesome. And the titles are often often shorter. And so when mm-hmm. everybody's doing something, maybe maybe doing the opposite is is powerful. And so, you know, we really wrote the book for people that want to sell themselves. And and I have to be careful when I say that because um, immediately when people hear that word sell, they say, well, I'm not selling a product or service. I'm in the corporate, you know, arena or, you know, I'm, you know, motivating a team. And so Mm -hmm. the distinction that I want to say is we're always selling. And so we're building our brand. We're selling selling ourselves to people. We're selling our spouses. We're selling our partners. Mm-hmm. We're selling our kids. And so I do want to bring awareness to that word is that we're always selling it and selling doesn't have to be bad as, as some people you know think of it. It's about building value. And mm-hmm. so we took a look at all the different mechanisms that are really generating sales out there and modeling it to environments where you don't necessarily think of selling like a dental office, right? Or a dentist, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're really prescribing, but in the same instance, they have to get people into action. And really that's what this book is about is how do you get someone into action ethically? How do you motivate? How do you paint the better future for them or the department uh, using stats, using analytics, uh, using case studies? And so that's why we wrote the book. That is fantastic because I'm so averse to the idea of selling myself. <laughs> um, and because you you think of that sort of pushy door-to-door 
vacuum salesman, you know? And the thing is that I, I tell my students as well is you may not think that you're selling a product to an external lead, but every day, like you said, you are selling the value that you bring to your organization. You are selling why you are there um, because you can continue doing the work you're doing. But if you don't get in front of them and showcase, guys, this is what we learned because we're awesome. Uh, This is what we propose because we're still awesome. You know, like this is the value. This is the intrinsic value that we bring other than crunching numbers all day. Um, So and and you are you're selling in the analytics space. You're selling test ideas. You're selling new marketing plans or creative, different uh, creative iterations. So it is very much a sell because if you walk out of that room and no one is interested in doing anything as a result of what you just show them, I would consider that a lost sale. Absolutely. You know, and it, it's helpful because sell, sell can be such a strong word and and, and there's emotional attachments. You, you think of the the used car salesman, you think of when you bought something and maybe didn't have a favorable experience. And so if it benefits you to say this is a book or this is a conversation about influential communication that mm-hmm. that really gets people into action, then, then I hope you will think of it in that way. Because at the end of the day, no matter what it is we do in life, we have to get people into action ourselves personally, you know, with yeah. our mindset, our teams, you know, again, back to family. And so it's all about getting people into action because without action, nothing occurs, right? And so, you know, you have long sales cycles, you have things that projects that don't get off the ground. And so that's really what this is about is how do we motivate? How do we inspire? Yes, there's uh, elements of persuasion in it, but how do we get people to take that next step? Absolutely. It really, it is between influencing and inspiring. You really want people to take action and make them feel like this was my idea almost and I was a part of this, you know, so um, not just that they're being told to do something. Um, So that is fantastic. Um, So in the marketing of this book, there is a somewhat outrageous claim. So I want to know, how is it true that one presentation can make you rich? Well, I, you know, this, this is a good question. And, uh, you know, in the marketing world, you definitely need to grab attention. And uh, that's what we did here. And, and it is a big claim. And it is true. It is a true claim. And so I do want to take a step back, though, Leah, and, mm-hmm. and explain it this way. If you look at anything when it comes to speaking in front of others, whether they're webinar or, you know, live in a room or in a boardroom, the presentation absolutely matters. How you deliver is super important. And, you know, if you look at your favorite comedian or you look at your favorite performers out there, there are people that are great and there are people who are good and there are, there are yeah. some that are bad. And so the big the good news is, is you don't have to be great. And, and I'm not advocating laziness or, you know, not practicing. <laughs> But I want people, you know, I want the folks listening in. I want you thinking about, listen, you know, you don't have to be a Tony Robbins. You don't have to be, you know, uh, Ariana Huffington. You know, you don't have to be Oprah, uh, whoever your favorite leader is, um, because you can rely on something called choreography. And oh, so okay. I want to I want to break this down. Mm-hmm. So in, when it comes to influence and getting people into action, yes, it's the words that we say, but there's also things that we can do ahead of time and there's things that we can do after. And so. As an example to this, 
I remember being at a investment uh, group. Uh, people were talking about real estate and they was uh, – I believe it was Kendra Todd who had won The Apprentice and she had come to speak to this group about uh, pre-construction real estate, how it was an amazing opportunity. And I remember – at one point, a lady in the audience gets up, and she was fairly elderly. I would put her at late seventies, uh, you know, eighties, and she hands Kendra a check, <laughs> and Kendra is taken aback because she's like, "What? What are you doing?" Like she hadn't you know, made her way into the opportunity. She hadn't talked about you know what the next steps were going to be. And she just handed her a check and she's like, well, you were on that show, The Apprentice, and you know, if you were on that show, you must be good. And so it, it got me thinking about this idea. You know, Kendra at the time was just launching her speaking career, and so she wasn't that great, to be quite frank with you. <laughs> and so definitely not great to have someone just hand you a check before you're even done. And so what it made me realize is there's a lot of factors at play. And so in this particular case, she came in with so much credibility having been on a TV show and having won it that this lady felt compelled to do it. And so that's an example from, from my life uh, that I want to share with you. But I also want to inspire you that, yes, the presentation matters, but can you go connect with the influencer, the decision makers, and get them on your team so that they're raving about you, talking about you before you even get up and give your presentation? Hmm. Okay, so how do you how do you see choreography in a sort of corporate business context like someone's presenting campaign results that they've had um just so we have a little bit more context around it. Absolutely. So a couple of things is if you know ahead of time who are, who's going to come to this meeting where you're going to be doing the presentation, leaking some information or sharing information with the folks, if you can do that, if you're able to do that scenario or asking for their feedback. So essentially you're enrolling them into your conversation before you actually have it. So mm. if you go to a colleague and say, hey, hey, listen, look at this data. What do you think of it? Or here's what I think of it. What other insights? So now you're enrolling them into your conversation. Naturally, if they're good people that, you know, they want to see you win or they you know, are on your side, you've at least enrolled them on your side. Mm -hmm. And so going to those folks ahead of time would be powerful. Another thing that you can do, if there is a key decision maker or a key influence in that group that people respect is having that person sort of introduce you or introduce the topic. And so I want to take a, take a step back here, Leah, and make this crystal clear. Like if we look at folks in society that are at the highest levels of influence, you may even say monetarily, like I'm thinking of athletes, I'm mm -hmm. thinking of celebrities, I'm thinking of the president, I'm thinking of the Queen of England. Mm -hmm. all, of, all of these people are properly introduced. And so when you go see your favorite rock band, it's never just you two or whoever your rock band is, it's the warm-up acts ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And so as an example of choreography as an example of influence is who in that room is your decision maker that people have affinity with, uh, that people have a, a connection with that can introduce you or add content or add value into the conversation. Because if they're on your side or they're saying favorable things about you, that affects the outcome of the presentation. That is an amazing, amazing tip. I'm going to be telling everybody that <laughs> because there, you know, I've been trying to crack the code a bit on those first few seconds when the meeting starts and you have their attention for that very delicate first eight seconds or whatever it, I think the research says. And how do you really pull that in? And you're right. You two doesn't go out on stage and introduce themselves. Um, that's or maybe they don't need one, but it is interesting because even when I've done conference uh, engagements, I've noticed a definite change in the way the audience feels warmed up 
if there is a person introducing me rather than me just walking out by myself. And I have to admit that I have not put a lot of effort around coordinating with that person in the beginning and making sure that feels like a high energy introduction. But that ends today from now on. Well, let's, let's take it up a level because I'm, I'm definitely inspired by this. So a couple things. So like if you do go – if you are a conference speaker or, or doing that, I always look for the person that is organizing it or is a headline or heck, if you can get one of the celebrities on a panel to say, hey, come see Leah, Leah speak or anytime oh, you can get a message wow. from stage. Yeah, it builds excitement. Now, I also know this, you know, after speaking for quite some time and and working with a lot of different folks, eventually someone good is going to do a bad introduction or maybe somebody (laughs) bad to do a bad. It just it's going to happen because their mind is elsewhere. They're thinking about the 57 different things that they have to to pull off that day. And so what I sometimes will do is uh, have a video. So I will have someone introduce me who most people know in that audience, but I'll have them introduce a video that gets people excited. Yes, it brags about me. It tells my accomplishments. Mm -hmm. And even if you can't pull that off because you can't be so forward, Mm -hmm. I would say is what video could you play a movie clip that really endears the audience and says, okay, this is going to be interesting. Like, how is she going to go from Braveheart or how is she going to (laughs) go from the notebook into like hardcore analytics or data? Like what's the connection? What's the bridge? And so you've got the curiosity working in your favor. That's so interesting. I have dabbled with playing videos before I even speak. Do you recommend that being the first thing that you do and you're not even saying hello or introducing yourself and then going right into it? Or how do you see that set up? Yes. I, the most ideal scenario is you have somebody up there that introduces you and introduces the clip. So if there needs to be a frame of like, we're going to start this uh, incredible uh, presentation off with this powerful movie clip and you're going to see how this is going to make sense. So there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of setup to it. So it builds that anticipation, just like, you know, the, you know, the rock band never starts on time, right? They always (laughs) are like, so, you know, sometimes that's annoying, but there is an anticipation factor to that. That's amazing. And I'm, Thank you for allowing me to go the conference route because in this space, we do have a lot of conferences and there's a, there are a lot of practitioners interested in taking their careers to the next level by gaining exposure through serving the community, essentially, uh, with their knowledge. So uh, thanks. That's uh, going to be a fun place to dabble in. But I do love, love the idea of finding an advocate who's influential and trusted uh, for delivering a brief introduction before the meeting. I think that's a fantastic idea. So I'm taking it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And even even during too, you know, so if there's somebody that, you know, yeah. can add to your presentation and, and report on findings, it can be powerful. But also you got to be careful too. So you got to select the right one because they can also kill the presentation if they're not fun or exciting or they're not you know, in alignment. So, yeah, it's interesting because, um, one of my most popular guests, his name is Adam Greco, and he's known to be like one of the most proficient speakers in our space. Something he said on our episode was to make sure you go in there with an advocate who is going to support you throughout the meeting. Um, you know, make, make sure you have a team backing you, which I can say that I, I never really did that. I never really thought about that. Sometimes you go in there on your own <laughs> and you pray. Yep. But um, having that backing is key. So that's those are two great ways to ensure um, credibility and I guess social proof. But um, something you said was interesting about leaking info beforehand. So one of the most common questions I get is, you know, Leah, I have I am required to send the entire deck the presentation deck to 
my attendees before the meeting so they can read the whole thing and come prepared. And I have mixed feelings about this because my understanding of your role as as their presenter is their narrator. And part of the anticipation that you're building and taking them through a story is that you are leading them through this story. So if you've created an effective presentation, it won't necessarily make sense if you're not there to guide them as a narrator. So what do you what do you have in mind in terms of like what would the format be of emailing information beforehand? Would it be a few key points that can provoke some questions or really the whole thing? Well, it, I, I believe that goes to whatever the mandate is. Mm. So if you know the advisor or whoever the, the head is saying, listen, you got to send the whole thing. I say, okay, great. I will send the whole thing and I'm going to send a video. And so you talk about narration, right? And so mm -hmm. sending a PowerPoint file, probably not the best idea because <laughs> they don't, they don't have a frame of reference. And so what I would say is because, sure. you know, if the boss says, listen, it has to be sent. So great. I'm going to send the whole deck. However, I'm also going to record a video. And even if I have to put it up on YouTube unlisted or something or wherever I can put the video, I'm going to say, listen, before you open the PowerPoint, watch this video. And then I'm going to attempt to influence them. I say, listen, I'm going to go over these key points. What you want to take a look at is slide seven, slide you know, 54 and, and whatever. And so mm -hmm. what I would do is make their life easy um, there. And I would also look to influence in that video. So what are the points that you can give a little preview of? What are the most powerful you know, data sets? What are the most powerful arguments there? And talk about that. Uh, in the video. So that's what I would do hmm. uh, until they tell me to stop making videos along with my PowerPoint. <laughs> Quite honestly, I, audio file if, if, if they say yeah. no more videos. Right. So. Exactly. Carrier yep. pigeon. I, so that is very interesting. Um, and you feel that even with sending the entire thing, but pointing them to specific things to look at, you'll still have an effective experience once they're in the room and you're taking through them through the entire piece of content. Well, I would say, you know, again, if the rule is you've got to send the whole slide deck, it needs to be done. And so yeah. I would say if I have to do it, I do it. If not, then yes, I would only send key points of mm -hmm. information and say, we're going to uh, further expand on this. I'm going to share with you. I would really, again, back to that, that favorite word of ours, sell, I would really sell the presentation. Why should they get excited about this? Mm -hmm. Why are they, why are they important? Because you're going to be presenting new data that shows, you know, controversial things that may be a, a little forward, but you're going to be presenting new findings that, you know, go against the conventional norm. And so if, if someone really is interested in success or in their field, you know, they're going to want to know that new research. They're going to want to know the new stuff that you found that they haven't found um, if they're really a student of the game and want to play at the highest level. So I would essentially sell the presentation in terms of, you know, here's what we're going to cover. I'm going to share these results. I'm going to share a couple of things that may surprise you, um, you know, in this area. And so I would go, I would be a little more, I don't want to say hypey because, again, no one wants to hear from the huckster or the hypester, but you've, you've really got to sell people on why this is important to them and what's new and exciting. That's – I think that's great and um, that's great to do beforehand. I hadn't thought of that. What I also love to try to tell people to do is there are certain words in the corporate English language that I think induce narcolepsy, which are <laughs> agenda – overview <laughs> yep. and executive summary. And people know what these things are when they see them, but I just can see the energy level shift. And I try to tease people to test things out, like say, this is what we're going to learn today. Guys, we have something really interesting to show you. Can't wait. Uh, this is how we're going to improve our plan. Something that has we and an action tied to it rather than something that feels passive, like 
this executive summary is happening to me <laughs> right now. That's, you know, that's funny because I grew up in this, in this world as a copywriter. So when I first, you know, I didn't come out starting to speak right away, uh, despite what people may, may think I started putting <laughs> words on paper. And so that's where I got really sensitive to certain words. So it, it's, uh, it's very, um, not ironic, but it's very funny or it's very fascinating to me that, you know, in your space, you know, like when you say agenda, it turns people off. And so where I come from, uh, my walk of the world, it's the same thing, but just different words. And so words matter. Uh, and so you, again, you want to, you want to, you know, say something different. So let me give you a, a hardcore example. You know, in the corporate space, uh, the, everyone's doing webinars. Everyone knows what a webinar is. Mm -hmm. In my, in, in the entrepreneurial space where I, I spend a lot of time, invest a lot of time, uh, in certain markets, there are people have been webinared to death. And so, you know, <laughs> we now ch say it's a special online event, mm -hmm. or we call it a web class, or I'm sure you've seen this, the Vogue thing to do with these online classes to call them master classes. Yes. And yes. so <laughs> in that same way, when everyone's saying agenda and, you know, maybe talking points, you know, just stuff that's not as, you know, excitable, mm -hmm. uh, you want to think of different ways to, to talk about the presentation or your mm -hmm. message. So very good. Oh, that's interesting. I like that. And I, I'm actually glad that you brought up webinars um, or virtual online trainings. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, so, you know, this is an important uh, tactic in my space because there are a lot of software as a service players in analytics and digital marketing. Webinars are key for selling them successfully. And like you said, we are drowning in them. Um, and I often watch them and leave feeling like I'm not exactly sure why I would want to purchase whatever I just saw. So what can this your book especially, what advice can it offer in the way of selling effectively with webinars? This is a very solid question. So two things that the book can help you do is is explore choreography. So I'll give you an example. Mm. When it when it comes to webinar, the first part is you actually got to get people to sign up. So even before you work on your slide deck, you, you've got to figure out what's the message that needs to come across to get people excited. So I'm going to go super tactical right here, just as an example from the book. So yes, part of webinar registration is incentivizing people to sign up. And so a lot of people just say, listen, I'm going to present these new findings or, you know, based on the 2017, you know, report of this, you know, we've come up with these key distinctions. Well, that's great. So the content should absolutely be powerful. It should be exciting. You should think about how you phrase it. And I also think of what's in it for me and instant gratification. And so often how that shows up is as soon as you register, you're going to get something, mm. you know, as as Pavlovian as that is, like you give me email, <laughs> I give you, you know, my slide deck, I give you a, a white paper, I give you a special video worksheet, worksheet, uh, you know, I might call it an action guide or a playbook, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. some, something like that right away. Then, because let me ask you this, Leah, have you ever registered for a webinar and never showed up? No, I have a 100% <laughs> attendees rate. <laughs> So the next part, if thinking along these lines of choreography, again, everyone wants to go to the message and, and we'll get there, I promise. Mm -hmm. uh, but you got to get them to show up. And so you may have the best message in the world, but if three people show up, then you're in trouble. So mm -hmm. the next thing is once they've registered, you still have to build value or to use the stronger, you have to sell them on showing up. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is sending out one or two videos or one or two communications, getting people excited, reminding them politely that this is going to be taking place. Not the canned stuff that WebEx sends out, that go to webinar, go to meeting sends out, but messages from yourself or, or at least customize them and then remind them that when they actually show up 
on the webinar, they're going to get something else in terms of mm. a giveaway, a download, a slide deck. Heck, you can even run a contest if, if that makes sense in your world, yeah. uh, but something to get them to show up in addition to the content. So make that irresistible offer. Uh, okay. So you mentioned that irresistible offer architecture. So um, I like the words that you use, playbook and, and things like that. Where can people get ideas for the kinds of giveaways they can make irresistible? Well, absolutely. I mean, obviously inside the book, we talk about all, all the different ideas, but from a from a high level view, the irresistible offer architecture, it really is kind of that conversation that, that we had Leah earlier about, you know, agenda and, <laughs> and, and certain words. And so, you know, when I hear the word workbook sometimes in, in some contexts, you know, there's a key word in there that most people might not <laughs> work. <enjoy>. Right. <laughs> work. So, you know, I call it an action guy because I still want people to take action. And that's mm. not just some like, you know, cheesy, you know, language thing. Uh, you know, you can call it a playbook. You can call it, you know, an implementation guide. If Discovery you need. guide guide or yeah discovery so you know rather so i'm sensitive to that so uh irresistible offer architecture really is this idea of you ought to never just make one thing your offer so mm -hmm. as an example if we're doing a webinar you might say the content is the offer and it is but i also like to think they can say yes or no to that and so <laughs> if they say no then it's like, okay, I'm done. I've lost. But if they say, well, you know, Leah is giving out, you know, the 2017 influencers to know in this particular space, I just want to see who's on the list. And so mm. I'm not just trying to get someone to opt in that isn't interested. I know that if I get them engaged and opt in, the data, the science shows that the more people engage, do micro commitments, the more of a shot we have to get them to do the bigger commitments. So actually join us for the webinar. So I always think about how do I give them three or four different things without like overdoing it and going the other way, trying to give them 10 things. And they're like, this is too good to be true. I say, what are like three things that I can give them the content? Can I give them, you know, the, the list of influencers and then a recording of the, uh, of the call or, you know, a special, you know, mm. presentation I did at, you know, you know, an industry conference. And so I think about that because I want to get people into action. And so chunk it out and think about what's the one action you want them to take at each step. Oh, this is, <laughs> this is really valuable. <laughs> I know that the, the listeners that do provide webinars are really going to appreciate this. Um, so I think I'm beginning to understand the framework of choreography. So really like the buildup is everything because if no one shows up, <laughs> there's no middle and no end. So what can you offer in the way of the during and after part of choreography? Good, good question. So the actual during part is mission mission critical. And so this really takes a look at traditional selling. And so I think there are things, no matter what we do in life, that we can apply in other parts of our life. So I really like to look at this area and ask you to, to come with me. And so, you know, in sales, they say it takes six or seven yeses. That's the old adage based on old data, old, old research. And so mm -hmm. Whether it's 57 or three or seven, we know that we need to get people nodding their heads in agreement. They have to be accepting. Their arms better not be crossed the whole presentation, uh, you know, especially if it's not cold in the room. And so what I like to say is during your presentation, you want to be getting agreement throughout. And there's a concept uh, my mentor and fellow co-author in the book, Dan, talks about. It's a sequential agreement. What are the things that people need to agree to to actually accept the argument? So mm -hmm. if you're selling something, right, like 
there's a lot of things that they have to agree. They have to agree it's possible. They have to agree that the data is correct. They have to agree that the testimonials or case studies uh, that are delivered, right? So think about what are all the things that one would have to agree to mentally uh, in order for them to finally agree to whatever it is that you want at the end, whatever that action guide is. And so mm-hmm. asking yes questions throughout, checking in with your, your audience to make sure they're not like completely checked out. So asking them, listen, did that data set make sense? Did that concept relate to you? And so engaging people is mission critical. So just because they're there in front of you on a webinar or a podcast doesn't mean they're like paying attention. And so you want to ask yeah. questions throughout. I, that's amazing advice. I love, especially like, did you relate to this? Did this resonate for you? Um, I have been asked by students in the past about asking people like, did that make sense? Does this make sense? And wondering if that particular phrase, um, in any way condescends to the audience, um, or if asking them, if you have questions, does anyone have questions highlight that no one might have questions at that time? I've, I've struggled with trying to navigate that. Yeah, this this is a very good. So, uh, the sense questions I've seen people use it as a crutch. So like after every point they make, (laughs) does that make sense? And so like, it's like beat into the head and then it becomes obvious and then it becomes painful. (laughs) And so you, you do want to ask, you want to check in with the audience here. It's about engagement. I don't believe it condescends the audience. It's just checking in. Now you ought not say it like three times. Did that make sense? Did that make sense? (laughs) So, um, you ought not, you ought not say the same thing. And then when it comes to the questions, you do yourself, a, if you think of this as a performance and just get away from the actual content, because yes, it is content, but think of it as a performer, anything that sort of impedes your flow may be a challenge. And I'm not saying don't take questions, but when you ask for questions and then it, it bombs, it, it's awkward, it's weird. <laughs> and so, you know, you can say things, you know, for those of you that have questions, you know, feel free throughout the presentation uh, to Mm. You write your questions down and, and or raise your hand and I'll call on you or save them to the very end. And so um, Got it. I always frame it that way because I don't like to ask for it right then because if they say no or no one no one does, then then it's like uh, it takes the wind out of your sails. You're like, is anyone listening? <laughs> Still. Right. <laughs> That's great. I love that. So, you know, letting people know for wherever you're comfortable for taking questions Give them the instructions on how to do that up front and don't prompt them for it in case they don't have any. So love that advice. Yeah, essentially it's don't ask a question that you don't know what you're going to get the answer to. Like the, the potential of answer is no or, or nothing. They don't do any action. And so you mm. want to be asking essentially yes questions uh, for most of the time. Now, there is obviously a time where, you know, someone wants you to go further. You have a decision maker or somebody that needs further clarification. And I get that. That that is important. But you do yourself a disservice if you if you don't know the intended outcome of the of the question that you're going to ask, especially in the middle of a presentation because it can really disrupt the flow. Got it. So everyone listen, don't ask questions where the answer might be no or nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that advice, really. Um, okay, so that is wonderful for keeping people engaged and such throughout. So now the choreography, we are we are now at the closing act and uh, <laughs> afterwards. What what does that part look like doing, done Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll put it in the frame of context for webinar because I know, uh, you know, a lot of people are very interested in that. I'm, you know, it's one of the things I do a lot of and I know you're, you're, you're keen to that as well. And mm-hmm. so 
if you think about a webinar, there's always a segment that attend, of course. There's a segment that that attend for maybe, you know, half of it or less. And then there's a segment that never show up. And so if we segment and we think of it that way, there are certain messages that should go to each one of those segments. So if you want to squeeze the uh, orange, for lack of a, a better analogy right now, if you want to squeeze the orange or maximize every presentation or webinar you give, you ought to be thinking about, okay, now how do I go back after I've done the presentation and communicate to those three segments with a message that then gets them either to rewatch the webinar, if that's your intent, or to take that next step. So maybe it's to schedule an appointment with you. Maybe it's to have them engage or send feedback. Um, you, we want to be communicating with each one of those in query. Because a lot of people, Leah, what they do is they will stop. Oh, I did my presentation. I invited them. If they wanted to come, they come. Well, mm -hmm. what I found, especially <laughs> in the sales world, we're finding that we can get the same amount of sales, if you want to call it that. So if we were being an offering uh, a product or a service, if we just stop there, we leave 50% of the money on the table. It's through the follow-up. It's through the post-webinar uh, engagement that we do that drives additional sales. And so I know you may not be selling something, but if you're trying to further an idea, if you're trying to get feedback to make your idea solid, then you have to do a little bit more work on the back end to really get people engaged and get them to take that next action. Hmm. Right. So I love the idea of segmenting messages because the person that signed up and came and the person that signed up and didn't come are two very different audiences, right? So mm -hmm. message must be different. And even in a corporate context, I always make the argument that the meeting doesn't end when the meeting doesn't end. There are follow-up steps to make sure you're remaining in the ether of people's <laughs> busy schedules and priorities. Um, so what could someone do in a, in a corporate context to make the most of the after period? Absolutely. A couple things. So number one is they can do an encore. So you can run mm -hmm. the webinar again through, especially through uh, go to webinar now has that as, as a, a way to do that. And the big thing there is if you leave it to be on demand, oftentimes they'll never get to it. Oftentimes it'll fall later on, on the priority list. And so if you make it run on a certain time, it really commits them to showing up at that time, treating it as an event, even though it may not be live. So that's, that's uh, one thing. The other thing is if you have the ability, and especially in a live environment or where people are in your department, scheduling a follow-up meeting after the fact. So if there's something that people need to digest, if you want to get certain feedback, having a clear next step to capture whatever it is that you want them to capture. Maybe you want them to sign off on something. Maybe you want them uh, to give feedback. So setting that date, letting them know that date would be mission critical mm. uh, to doing it. And then the final thing is if you really want to sell the idea to now use that word so boldly <laughs> is get now feedback from the people that were involved. Oh, this was amazing. Oh, I hadn't, con you know, I hadn't considered these ideas. And so now you can use that for future presentations to get people excited. You can use it for um, getting people to watch the past presentation uh, there is another powerful step. And last one is repurpose it. So, you know, if you're going to put out papers and you're going to put mm -hmm. out, you know, and be in publications, you may consider taking that webinar now, getting it transcribed and fashioning it into articles if that makes sense for mm. you. So leverage that content, not just in the one sense of uh, video or webinar, but make it an audio, uh, make it a podcast if you if you want to, need to, can, and then turn it into articles if that makes sense for your uh, marketplace or where you're at in, in the world. 
I love that idea of taking one piece of content, divvying it up and repurposing it for different applications. But that real value is still that one core original piece. Um, that's, that's great. Thank you for that. Absolutely. So Dustin, I call the next segment the upgrade. It's a power tip for doing our jobs of creating influence through presenting more effectively. So do you have one tip you can share with us before we wrap? Yeah, I, actually, I got two, and I'll make it real quick. Yes. The first one is for those of you that are looking for speaking opportunities, my favorite uh, one out there is a website called speakermatch.com. Uh, so for those of you looking mm-hmm. for corporate gigs or uh, outside that, you can go there. And there's also a mobile app called Thumbtack Pro. So if you don't want to get on a plane but want to practice speaking in your own backyard, there is a uh, an app for uh, called Thumbtack Pro that lets you know of people looking for speakers. Uh, you just need to select the professional speaker or business speaker uh, designation. And then kind of the bigger overarching uh, advice here or tip is this. It's this idea about momentum. And so whatever your goal is in life, whether it's to, you know, act on the ideas we presented here. Maybe it's lose weight. Maybe it's find a, the love of your life. You know, whatever your goal is, it can be anything. That's that's how cool this is and powerful this is. Here's what I want you to consider. I want you to take one small action a day. And an action can be, you know, come on Leah's next podcast, right? You know, read an article <laughs> from her. It can be go on to Google and look up who the expert in relationships or love is and go buy their book, right? Something small, nothing like, you know, fly halfway across the world to sit at the feet of, of a guru, <laughs> nothing like that. Like, you know, you don't, you can do that, but all I'm asking you to do is one small action a day because in a course of a year, you'll have done 365 actions and you'll leverage a thing called momentum. And here's the secret. Oftentimes it won't take you the full year because you're leveraging momentum. And so unlike I did in college, waited up to the last day, the last night and try to write the paper or try to cram (laughs) for that test. Don't do that. Just build one small action a day. You'll get there a whole lot quicker and you'll have a lot less stress. Oh, these were maybe some of my favorite tips I've ever gotten on this show. <laughs> Both of those. It's it's so true. You know, I, I started writing a book some time ago, and if I couldn't devote two hours a day to it, I didn't devote any time to it. So nothing got done. But once I started devoting 15 minutes and setting a timer and saying, I, I can be done after 15 minutes, I ended up writing over an hour <laughs> and finding time to do that. Um, and, and really seeing that momentum build and it it does build exponentially. Wow. That is amazing advice. Okay. So for our final question, I want you to think hard here. Imagine this very plausible scenario. You're taking a seat at the U S open when suddenly you trip and get pulled through a rip in time and you're brought back to the precise moment. You're about to give your first presentation. What would today you say to then you? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. I love I love the the, the reference to tennis because I'm a big tennis guy. So <laughs> what would I say? This is what I found. I would I would tell myself, listen, it's not about you. It's about them. So stop thinking it's about you. Stop thinking uh, it's about looking good and just get into service. And so when you're nervous, you, oftentimes you're thinking about you and looking good and you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And so at that point, you've practiced, you've prepared. And so just make it about them and delivering value and communicating as clear as you can uh, so that they can hear the message uh, truly. And so, you know, get out of your own way, drop <laughs> the ego and just be of service and uh, you'll win. Oh, that's what I would say. That is the perfect way, <laughs> perfect way to wrap this show. 
Thank you so much. Well, unfortunately, our time has run out. I could probably talk to you for days on end, but I really want to just thank you so much for coming on this show and exposing your amazing wisdom to people that might otherwise not have found you. And um, I've learned volumes just in the last hour. So please tell the listeners where they can keep up with you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if you enjoyed this content, uh, I would say check out nobspresentations.com. It's where the book is and other amazing resources uh, to really help you execute on your next presentation. And then also uh, check out dustinmatthews.com uh, for my writings and uh, new things that I'm creating out in the world, uh, tips and strategies on success. So dustinmatthews.com with one T, the unique way of spelling Matthews. <laughs> all right, great. And just a quick note that all of those links he mentioned will be on the show notes page for this episode at leahpeka.com slash 029. Dustin, thank you so much again for being on the show. It was an honor and I really hope our paths cross again. Thank you, Leah. I really enjoyed it. Wow. I don't know about you, but for me, this episode was like a Halloween basket of candy that overfloweth with delicious bites of knowledge. Wow. I can't wait to put so many of his tidbits into my own presentation practice, and I hope you can't wait either. So to catch all of the resources mentioned in this episode and his books, please visit the show notes page at leahpeka.com slash 029. I would love if you could leave me a comment or suggestions because I want to hear about the challenges you face when presenting information. And today's presentation inspiration is from none other than our wonderful guest, Dustin Matthews. Dustin says, it's not just what you say on stage. It's how you show up before, during, and after. This guy knows what's up. Think about that whole process, not just when you're standing up there in front of everyone talking, but the whole process front to back. That's it for today. Namaste. And that's a wrap. Okay, awesome. I love it. No, that's that's perfect. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> and some interviews because I'm like, I'm learning. This is all for me, and I'll just keep it to myself. But no, I would never. Uh, I would never. <laughs> so remembering to do things like turning on my microphone is uh, <laughs> sometimes gave me.